the Biden economic boom that no one's noticed. Jesse Smollett convicted and love hate eight featuring the dude nod. Baker, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do, here. I do. Friday needs to know. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Needs to Know podcast for December 10th. Man, this week has been. Uh, this month has been going by fast, but I feel like this week has really has been dragging, Baker. Yo, God, are you, you kidding think- me? I feel like, yes, I, maybe this month is going by fast, but I feel like it has been a slow crawl, at least maybe this week. It feels that way. I took a, uh, I took a two-hour nap yesterday in the oh, middle of the day. Nice. I can't. What was the last time you did that? I can't remember. I mean, maybe drunk at a pool on a vacation day, <laughs> you know, with a with a margarita next to me. Uh, but yeah, I can't remember those days. My hope is, since you know it's the weekend, uh, you're a- we're all able to sort of do that because of the cooler temperatures. Nobody wants to go outside and do anything. Um, yeah. But but you know, most of us, since we don't have kids, we get to sleep in tomorrow. So that maybe will be our two-hour nap that we get to have. Uh, yeah, not over here. But the problem with the na- the problem with the two hour nap in the middle of the day is it's great. But then you wake up and you are just out of commission for the rest oh, of the day. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You're all yes. messed. You're all messed up. I also realize, and this is maybe as I've gotten older, I can't do like boozy dr- uh, brunches as much as I used to anymore because then all I want oh, to yeah. do is take the nap, and then I feel like I've ruined the rest of the day as a result. Yeah. Boozy brunch, that's over for me here. Yeah, over. Once you hit 37, it's all done. It's over, Carlo. Uh, anyway, happy Friday to you. Happy National Salesperson Day to our audience. And I, we got a lot of headlines to dive into today. And we got to start with politics. You wouldn't know it from Joe Biden's plummeting poll numbers, but he's actually overseeing, Carlo, the fastest economic recovery in American history. The weekly jobless claims that we got yesterday fell to 184,000. That is the lowest level we've seen in more than half a century. Now, is the labor force participation rate hitting pre-COVID levels. The unemployment rate has fallen from 6.7%, which is where it was at last year, to now 4.2% today. It's now approaching the level economists are calling full employment. That means nearly virtually everybody who is able and willing is working right now. It's amazing, isn't it, right? Uh, you know, all of that said, the cost of goods remain near oh, a 40-year yes. high, right? We're going to see that when the monthly uh, inflation Today. data, the CPI print, comes out this morning. Probably by the time you've listened to this, I'm sure it's going to show that inflation uh, has not yet subsided. It's just fascinating, right? Because when you go by the labor data, which has always kind of been the benchmark for economic health, at least I was always sort of taught um, that that's sort of what you look at to, yeah. to, to sort of judge True. economic recovery by – Judging by that data, this economy is roaring. It's absolutely roaring, but people just aren't feeling it, and they're responding in right. these polls uh, to you know high gas prices and high prices of just about everything. Some of these supply chain shortages that are continuing, and and those things are all real. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean those are those really do hit people in the pocketbook, and that's why they're responding to it. But they sort of belie what is really this incredible economic recovery that we're seeing. You know, we were doing nine hundred thousand weekly jobless claims in January of this year when Biden came into office. We're now down to fewer than 200,000. That's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. You know, and the White, the White House deserves real credit for this, and they should be out there taking that credit, if you ask me. So look, if you're right. Wages are up also, which is also mm-hmm. impressive, given the fact also that uh, people are finding better jobs and better employment. But let's go through the, the inflation numbers, because the Labor Department is going to re- uh, release those consumer price index numbers today. And all indications are, Carlo, from economists being surveyed, uh, the prices that we pay 
for goods and services rose 6.7% in the month of November. That would mark the fastest pace of inflation growth since 1982, and it would be the sixth straight month in which inflation topped 5%. I've seen some even bearish economists that also think maybe it might go to 7%, which is crazy. So yes, while the you know, the wage numbers are good, people are getting more money in their paycheck, they're paying even more for a lot of the products. And as a result of that, while Joe Biden is overseeing a great economic boom, the number one issue you're seeing from pollsters yeah. when it comes to the, the midterm in the election is the cost of goods, gas prices, food, all of not being able to get a lot of the goods and materials that they want because it's taking weeks on end for it to get here. That could be potentially cataclysmic for Democrats come November. Yeah, I think it all, you know, it, we st we're still a ways out. I think that, you know, if the inflation situation materially gets better in the, you know, first half of 2022, um, I, you know, I, people were writing off the Democrats for the midterms next year, and I think right now they would get absolutely beat down. But if the inflation situation gets better in the first half of next year, they could really, they could put up a real fight. A Democratic pollster told the New York Times last week when they looked at the numbers from Virginia in particular, and these are uh, these were people traditionally that voted for Joe Biden, but then voted for Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, it was all about issues that were affecting them now. COVID, the economy, yeah. those not the social issues, not the sort of education played a little bit of a role, but not nearly to the extent of, of, so, uh, of, the, econ of the economic issues. So if we get out of this coronavirus pandemic and if the economy continues to be humming, that might be yep. the only silver lining here for Democrats. Uh, we yesterday started the show uh, talking about all those big trials, and one of them just ended yesterday. Jussie Smollett was found guilty of lying to police about being a victim of a hate crime nearly three years ago. That in a case that quickly tapped into the country's political polarization. The jury convicted the former Empire actor on five of six counts of felony disorderly conduct, and he could face up to three years in prison on each one of those counts. Smollett's defense team said that they will appeal the verdict. They're calling him an innocent man. But Carla, we have to remember when this all got started, what a mess this all became because the city mm. attorney at the time had dropped charges against Jussie Smollett. Uh, and then the attorney then ended up recusing herself against the crimes here. Then a separate, a special prosecutor was called to relook at this case and then they right. brought charges and then the jury found him guilty. So, so interesting sort of this complete change from what had happened after this story had originally broke. I don't think he's going to go to jail. Uh, he has a clean record, so I don't. My my guess is that he won't get jail time, or maybe a suspended sentence. We'll see. Um, but I mean, look, what are the lessons here? I think one of the lessons from this case, really from from several of these cases, Rittenhouse included, but especially this one, is people. We we have to learn. I think to let's just wait. Everybody needs to just take a deep breath and wait when some of these stories, uh, you know, cross and break and start going crazy on the internet. Everybody, take a deep breath. And I'm talking about us in the media and us particularly on this podcast as well. Everybody jumped on this story as it happened because it really neatly fit into like the current Ooh, political, the, the currents at the time, right? This was at the height of the Trump administration. Um, you know, he was taught, Smollett was accusing these, this pair of MAGA hat wearing guys who jumped him in the middle of Chicago. You know, that should have smelled fishy from the beginning, really, if you just stopped to think about it, right? Um, but then you had people like Kamala Harris, who was, uh, what was she, Attorney General of Cal, or no, she was a senator at the time. Um, she immediately issued a statement calling this a modern day lynching. Uh, I, I think Biden also did something similar. A lot Corey of Democrats Booker jumped too, on this yeah. story. 
yeah, so it's just, you know, let's like sort of, sort of wait till and let the process play out in some of these cases. I think that's one of the lessons from several of these high-profile trials we've been I, covering. I, look, you're, you're right, but in, and I think a lot of us um, emotionally gravitated to this case because um, as somebody, I, I have not experienced anti-gay hate, but we see that on the rise. We see anti-Jewish hate, we see racist sure, hate. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff really sort of escalating over, especially over the last couple of years. So it was easy to sort of uh, basically gravitate to this case and sympathize with Jussie Smollett, but I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think if anything that we've learned from all of these cases, uh, we just have to, you know, we have to basically take a beat and listen to exactly what the story yeah. is on a lot of these. And it's and it's really a shame because you know there are real instances. Yes, and that you're 100 right. Of, of That's the disappointing crimes. part. You know, yeah, I mean, Jill, Jill's always on the beat about anti-Semitism in this country, right. um, you, and that stuff is real. And when people like this idiot go out there and make these stories up, it's such a disservice to real victims. Well, you're right because, and, and this is the case for victims across the board in any situation, does this make people trust their accusations as right. much anymore or take their accusations seriously, especially if they're the real ones out there? So this is that's the heartbreaking part in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move in. Let's talk about COVID here booster shots of the Pfizer vaccine now available for 16 and 17 year olds. That's so long as they are six months past their second dose. The CDC granted the emergency authorization and strongly encouraged those teenagers to get boosted that as soon as they become eligible, given the unknown so far about the Omicron variant. And as we reported yesterday, Carlo, if you get that booster shot, this according to Pfizer's data, you're likely uh, the antibody levels that you're getting are going to basically protect you likely from um, extreme hospitalization and death here. Yeah, get boosted. If you haven't yet, it's worth it. You'll be happy you did it. I saw this one story uh, that made my head explode this morning. Middlebury College up in Vermont. They have 99% of their student body fully vaccinated. They've had about uh, 30 new cases, so they're seeing a little bit of an outbreak up there. And now they're moving fully remote for the rest of the wow. semester. I, I don't know. If I were a student there, I would be furious. If I was a parent of a student, I would be furious. I mean, you're paying, this is a college that costs $60,000 a wow. year to go to, to go to. And now they're just moving it online because of a, uh, of, of an outbreak, even though these, no one is going to the hospital there, right? They're all right. protected. This is, if you are fully vaccinated against COVID, it is essentially the worst case scenario is that it is basically a flu for you. I don't know. I would be out in the streets protesting if this, if, if this, if I was in school and this happened, we have got to stop with this stuff. It's for people who are not at high risk. We just have to move on from this. That I think is the disappointing part in all of this, especially because if you feel like you've just done your job, your your job just yeah. to get vaccinated, you know, and, and move on with your life, there are people who either A, have not been vaccinated or B, people who have taken sort of, uh, you know, extreme measures like going fully remote when you have 99% of your people vaccinated that is that are incredibly frustrating to the rest of us because we're like, look, we've done our job, but yet this continues yeah. to still be an issue that we still basically have to go through that it's like, when is this over? When is the light at the end of the tunnel coming here? It'll never be over if we if we treat it this way, right? right. Because it's never going to go away. Right. There will never be zero COVID cases. So we have to get to a point where we accept some amount of risk. I don't know, I've been saying this forever now, but the vaccinations have changed the game and we're still, a lot of a lot of places, especially colleges, are still treating this as though we're in a place we were last year when or, nobody was vaccinated. Or businesses, or businesses continue to delay and extend yeah. when they're coming back to the office. 
this. I mean, we just were talked about the other day how a lot of the Silicon Valley companies from Google to Facebook are now delaying now till the end of January. Facebook, in, in many instances, now till June in some uh, in some departments when they come back to the office. Uh, and that's the frustrating thing is because it's like they asked their employees to do something. We all did it. But yeah. because of the Omicron variant, people who haven't been vaccinated, all these other sorts of factors, it just continues to delay this thing when all of us kind of just want to get our lives back. <laughs> yeah, well, the, 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 the return to office is, is a different thing, I think mostly because a lot of workers want to stay home. But colleges in particular, I mean, true. the college experience is a college experience. You have uh, to be true. on campus that's for true. that. You cannot, you cannot, college is not about just taking tests and you know, know. doing your work online. That's you got to be on campus. You got to be social. Yeah, exactly. You got to be out there socializing and you're paying all that money. You only have one shot of it. I don't know. I would be really, I if mean, I were a college student by now, I, I'm talking, we're going on three years of this. This is oh, crazy. Yeah. If I paying if I'm paying sixty thousand dollars to do yeah. you know to do like you know zooming and online working classwork, yeah the like you there's a lot of other cheaper options out there if that <laughs> is what you're doing uh, let's talk about the big news happening at Starbucks workers at a store in Buffalo have voted to unionize and that is creating the very first U.S. labor union in the coffee chain's 50-year history. Now, in the first of three separate store elections in the Buffalo area, one a location voted in favor of the union, one voted against it. The third is still waiting for their votes to be tallied <clears throat> and hasn't been ratified just yet. In the election, no doubt a huge win for the resurgent organized labor movement and a big blow to Starbucks, which has fought the organization's attempts for many, many years. Uh, Starbucks, a lot of economists out there, Carlo, are saying Starbucks is better positioned than other companies out there, maybe to absorb the high cost than their industry peers. Uh, but unions are rare in the restaurant industry. Only about 1.2% yeah. of workers at food and drinking outlets were members of unions just last year. That is well below the private sector unionization rate, which is about 6.3%. But I would add just a tiny footnote over the course, especially because of the pandemic, we've seen a huge rise of union drives from Amazon, John Deere, Kellogg's, those union strikes from those particular locations that I think this is becoming a, um, this is becoming a bigger movement, I think, in terms of more people wanting to be part of a union than we had in the past. What? It's one of the real fascinating trends uh, that we're seeing right now in the labor market. One story, just uh, one line here from the Vice story that covered the Starbucks unionization that jumped out at me, quoting here from Vice News. Workers at one of these stores complained about getting stung by bees from a beehive lodged yeah, in the store that. for months. But it wasn't until they filed for a union election that Starbucks actually sent in yeah. an exterminator. So, again, you know, when you have the power as the employee, you're going to be able to get things that you weren't. Otherwise, right? I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if Starbucks actually pulled out of Buffalo in response to this. It, I, could. That could, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen. We'll have to watch. Um, but also, you know, you mentioned Kellogg. I just want to keep on the labor beat here for a second because we didn't cover this uh, this week. But Kellogg's said it was going to move to permanently replace about 1,400 striking factory workers at that cereal company. Uh, that strike has been going on for months now, uh, and it didn't appear any closer to resolution after the union voted this week. They voted down a contract uh, that would give employees a 3% raise. That's less than inflation. We're talking yesterday about, you know, companies giving less than 5% raises. Um, really a slap in the face, I think, to those workers. Uh, and this is also a slap in the face to those workers to just permanently replace them. But back to what you were saying about this, you know, uh, back, just uh, again, back to the Democrats, right? This is what they should be rallying around. They should be rallying around the, this organized labor movement. They should be, you know, Biden should be going to the store in Starbucks and getting a coffee there and talking he's to He's the most pro-union president we've had I, since I can remember. 
people keep saying that, but is he actually? Because I, I, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard the, the white... Amazon union. That's true, that but I have failed. not. That's true, uh, but he, I, I, it doesn't seem like this White House is really out there. I mean, they should be out there on the picket lines. This is the thing that could actually that they should be rallying around, especially with Republicans trying to pretend like they're the, the party of the working class now. And get rid of all the woke stuff, all the education nonsense. This is what the Democrats should be all about, organized labor and class. That's what this is about. That's how they could w start winning elections look, again. Look, this, this, and, and look, Republicans are trying to seize on this, uh, not so much the union aspect of things, but in yeah. terms of the worker aspect. This is what Marco Rubio has essentially been arguing for a while, that the Republicans need to be more of the party of the working class, the, the union vote rather than corporations that they typically have been. But right now, this is the greatest sort of employee market we've seen in generations because of the mm -hmm. pandemic, where people are renegotiating their salaries, they're leaving for better jobs, the employment rates are better. There's just more command right now uh, for people to do what they want when it comes to their jobs because the pandemic showed them yeah. what was important and what wasn't important, and they're demanding better, you know, better perks, better jobs, better better health care, better all these things as a result of this. And the the, the employee, or the, sorry, the employers, you know, they're in a they're in a position where they basically have to capitulate because and, and get and and bring these employees in because the problem is is to retrain and rehire somebody right. else is too much of a headache for these employers. Yeah, it's just remarkable. It's all happening under a Democratic president, and it doesn't True. seem like that president is really um, embracing this as an issue that the Democrats could win on. Listen, you bring up a very good point. Uh, we have now heard from Travis Scott Carlo. He is speaking at length now about the tragedy at, the, at his Astroworld Music Festival. For the very first time, the rapper sat down with radio host Charlemagne the God for a long 50-minute interview, and he claims he had no idea that a mass casualty event was unfolding in the crowd right in front of him after that uh, show on November the 5th. Travis Scott suggested that the media was unfairly blaming him for the incident, that in which 10 fans were killed in a stampede, and that he continued to perform after emergency personnel were on the scene only because he wasn't told in his earpiece how serious the situation had become. Um, there were a bunch of reports in TMZ and others interviewing the attorneys for a lot of the victims who had watched that interview, TMZ had reported one of the attorneys said that it was a cringeworthy interview, uh, but there are still about 140 lawsuits right now filed against the Astroworld tragedy, a lot of them against Travis Scott, and it looks like yep. a lot of those lawsuits are gonna continue here, Carlo. Well, you know, when in doubt, blame the media, right? If, if Donald Trump has taught us anything, that's the uh, easiest way out of this stuff. I, look, he didn't take any responsibility for what happened. I think that's really, Becoming this, uh, I don't know if it's a trend or if it's just something that's always been the case here. I mean, celebrities give these like splashy sit down interviews and they say, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, right? Look at what happened with Alec Baldwin last week. Um, oh, yeah, he didn't take he any didn't responsibility. Right. He, he didn't really take it. Not even did he not pull the trigger, but he was like, I didn't do anything wrong, essentially. Right. Now, Travis Scott is essentially saying the same thing. And and look, I don't know how much these people actually do have responsibility for these incidents. Right. The Alec Baldwin thing looks like it was just a total, uh, you know, one in a billion accident. Um, uh, Travis Scott, I don't know if you can really put the blame on him for what happened in that crowd. Maybe. I don't know. But it's just it's just fascinating how nobody ever seems to like man up and was just like, I'm involved in this and I have some level of responsibility responsibility and I apologize. Um, I think it's probably just because of, you know, everyone's terrified of, of being sued. That's probably part of it at least. Right. Well, especially because with, with Travis Scott, I think what the legal arguments are, when did he know 
Um, mm -hmm. And when was he basically apprised of what was happening, given the fact that he had afterwards had gone to a Dave & Buster's concert afterwards, there's photograph, or sorry, not concert, but Dave & Buster's to go play video games after yeah. the Astroworld concert. So it's basically the timing, I think, is where the legal aspect on this is all gonna be yeah. sort of interesting, because then that basically shows how liable he is at the end of the day. Um, uh, let's move on, Carlo. Uh, some big news, the giant container ship that got itself wedged into the Suez Canal, you remember that, for six very long days, back in March. Well, it's going to give it another go this time. The Ever Given currently uh, steaming towards the canal once again, fully loaded up once again with cargo. Ship mapping data estimates that she'll reach the Suez sometime on Sunday. We hope this trip uh, a little <laughs> bit more successful than the last time, I hope. You know, if, it, if, if at first you don't succeed, right? The captain of this ship Captain of the ship has a great comedic opportunity this weekend, right? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think he'll take it, but it would be pretty funny if he did. It's, it's funny though, right? Because in retrospect, the Ever Given that whole, that whole thing back in March was really sort of like a canary in the coal mine for the supply chain breakdown oh, uh, that we started gosh, to see point. after that, right? So I'm saying right here, I'm declaring on this podcast: if this ship gets through the Suez this time without incident, I hereby declare that our supply chain woes are over, <laughs> and the 20, and the 2022 is going to be you a great what? year where we can find yes. all our stuff, right? Yes, this is like when like that octopus used to predict um, the World Cup games all the time correctly. Yeah, right. This is basically if if this ship gets yes. through the Suez Canal, all of us basically are out of the pandemic. Our lives are back yes. to normal. Supply chain issues are over. The world is back to normal. Well, yes, exactly. So if anything, this you're right. That's the canary in the coal mine. That is basically all of us right now. The Suez right. Canal ship. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll keep you posted on Monday. Make sure this thing gets yes. through there. Uh, the Suez this weekend. Okay, a little more to know before. Before we do left hate eight bigger. Yeah, at least 53 people died and dozens more injured Carlo when a tractor trailer carrying over 100 migrants crashed in southern Mexico. The truck rolled over and crashed into a pedestrian bridge near Mexico's border with Guatemala. It's a terrible developing story. So there sad. appear to be uh, young children uh, who are the victims also in this uh, in this crash. Uh, here in New York City, uh, we just became the first big city in the country to allow non-citizens to vote in local elections. This is a big deal. Uh, this move granting the right to vote for 800,000 legal New York City residents, people like my wife, Becky, uh, they can now cast votes in municipal elections, assuming this thing doesn't get struck down in court. Uh, they're still, of course, barred from voting in state or federal elections, but hey, you know, you pay taxes here. I think you should be able to vote. I think you're spot on, Carlo. Meanwhile, talking about living on the edge, Congress finally set to approve that debt limit increase next week. That after the Senate voted to approve a one-time exemption to the filibuster when it comes to raising the debt ceiling. That caps off a months-long fight over the nation's borrowing limit, which uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says we have until the 15th next week to basically get this solved or else we would default on our debt for the very first time in American history. Hallelujah. We don't have to talk about this again, at least <laughs> no, until, right. at least, until at least the for next a month. time. At least a month, yeah. yes. Uh, and the U.S. government just won an appeal to extradite WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Uh, he's wanted here in the United States under the Espionage Act for publishing classified government materials. He's been held in London since 2019 when British police uh, removed him from the Ecuadorian embassy. You remember that uh, whole mess. Uh, he had been holed up there for years. Now it's looking like he's closer to coming back uh, to face uh, charges here in the United States. And he had aggressively been trying to seek a pardon from former President Trump for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, sad news in the NFL. 
NFL, uh, Demarius Thomas, a former Pro Bowl wide receiver and a Super Bowl champ with my Denver Broncos, passed away at the very young age of 33 years old. Police are saying he was found dead in his home in Georgia. They're calling this an apparent medical issue, but not a lot of details are being given so far on this, Carlo. One of the greatest wide receivers, I believe, in Broncos history. Yes, really, yes, really quite sad. And just sticking on the sports beat here, I don't know if you saw this last night, this buzzer beater uh, at the Rutgers-Purdue oh, game. Oh, I saw highlights, yes. Holy mackerel. Go, I can't even do it justice. Go watch the clip of this. Uh, Purdue was playing in their first ever game as the number one seed. They lost to Rutgers on a half court three Amazing. at the buzzer. Kids streamed onto the court. It was just, wow, college hoops at its best. Uh, so go oh, check that out. This is why people they, love college basketball basketball and this is also i was getting march madness like the feels yeah. for march madness because <laughs> that happens so much when the cinderella team knocks it out of the park okay let's do a little uh love hate yes. to end this week baker i shall begin one thing that we love and we alluded to this in the cold open the dude not <laughs> oh i'm giving you know it I'm to you right now about. i'm giving it the to you right now nut. Guys, guys listening, you know what we're saying. This is that little nod that men give each other is kind of like the subtle unspoken greeting right. when they're passing it. each other on the street or in public places. It's not really it's not it's not up to like a handshake level. It's not like a stop and chat. It's just kind of like a hey, I get hey, you. you. I see you. I, 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 I acknowledge I you. you. I get it. Yes, I always go up to down, but I think that it is acceptable to do the down to up nod. I agree. Also. Uh, yeah. it's 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 so funny something that is not spoken about. But it is so <laughs> widely understood and accepted throughout communication, throughout men, uh, dude yeah. culture, forever. <laughs> we all understand the dude nod. And if you don't, um, ask your fellow man, I'm sure. Ask, yes, ask a dude in your life. Uh, meanwhile, one thing we hate, oh, and this drives me crazy, anywhere I go, somebody who holds up the line. I'm the person that is in the back yeah. like, hello, please move, move up, go back up, you can do this. This happens a lot uh, with free samples. Like if you're getting uh, samples at like an ice cream store, there's also a, a Curb Enthusiasm episode with the sample abuser yeah. about stuff like this. But anybody <laughs> that holds up a line, uh, I've learned this from my very aggressive Jewish husband. Uh, we got stuff we gotta do, we gotta move. It's. The, the worst is at the TSA, though. That's yes, where really, yes, that, yes, that's where yes. people just, they where, have the They're like fumbling breakdown. for their IDs. They're looking for their, their passports. They're, and I'm like, you yeah. should have this prepared already. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, I can't take my water bottle on the plane. I like, know. It's where like, have, have you, you never been? flown before? Have you never <laughs> flown before? This happened to me this week when I was at the, I was trying to get a sandwich at the deli, and the guy in front of me was just like, just, he was just couldn't decide on what he wanted. I'm like, dude, move on it is so selfish i hate but that you, but you Execute know as a re by the way as a result of that i have started putting in my orders um to, to pick up as a result of this because i've become very upset with the amount of time i spend wasting yeah. in a line so now i just put the order in and i just walk in and just be like just give me my bag but then i get upset if i'm having to wait in line to wait for that bag <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, one thing that we ate, uh, I had a slice of key lime pie from Steve's, which is Ooh, this uh, insta—it's an institution here in Brooklyn in the great neighborhood of Red Hook. Uh, and by the way, they are shipping for the holidays. If you're a key lime pie fan or if you have a key lime pie fan in your life, uh, you can check out his website. It's keylime.com. Uh, key lime pie, I feel like, is sort of controversial. It's one of those things yes. that you really either love or hate. I agree. No, one, no one's like lukewarm on key, key lime pie, right? The secret to key lime pie? 
terrifying, and I'm only saying this um, as a fervent, insane fan of the Barefoot Contessa Ina Garden. The key ingredient, lime zest. Don't ever use lime juice when mm, you're doing okay. a key lime pie. Uh, fresh limes, especially the zest, the key ingredient there. I like that. I still like lemon meringue better, but key lime pie Ooh, is, not, a, is I'm a, not into lemon meringue. Too second. tart for me. Way too tart. Really? It's like sucking on those warhead candies. You know those things where literally like yeah, your yeah. face like you know sucks inside like this. <laughs> okay, we're going off the rails as usual. Okay, folks, uh, that's what you need to know for Friday, December 10th. Baker, thank you for being Happy here this weekend. week. We'll see you on Monday, and have a great weekend, everybody.